Hey, welcome to this week's episode of the Entrepreneur Podcast, where every week we talk about how you can bring your creative dreams to life. My name is Cole. My name is Adam. Hey, Adam. How you been? I'm doing really well. Hey, this week, um, Adam did some great homework. He brought in a really nicely outlined episode, and then I decided that we're going to try to improvise podcast because sometimes you just have to improvise, right? Yes. Okay, so yes. So we don't know where this is going and but here's what here's what I think is true. I think we're going to find something valuable along the way because of what we talk about a lot here, which is if you hone your craft, you will be ready in the moment when the moment comes and you'll be able to draw upon all of the things that you've experienced in the past as a result of having done this a lot. And then it'll result in something fruitful, potentially. Yeah. No, I think that's entirely possible. I think there's also a world in the metaverse Uh where we do this episode and then 10 minutes later we decide, all right, let's do the one you wrote because it stunk. But we're not in that universe. We're in this universe where it comes out good. It's like we can approach our art in two different ways. And we can approach it like classical music where all of the notes are written on the page. Or we can uh, approach it like, like jazz. A, like a jam band. Like No, like jazz. <laughs> so jazz has a structure. Our structure is every week we talk about how you can bring your creative dreams to life. And then there's these moments where you step back and each of the soloists gets up and plays an improvised solo. And hopefully people clap at the end. And hopefully people clap at the end. So here's a question. I don't have the question formulated in my head, but I'm about to formulate the question as it comes out of my mouth. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Second question is, what do you think has been one of the most pivotal moments in your creative journey? Answer. Go. All right. In my creative journey, one of the most pivotal, pivotal, we're improvising pronunciations here too moments would be um i think starting my solo project nightwinds um and just deciding to make my own music instead of just producing for other people that was a pretty pivotal moment okay you had been making mo- music your own music before that like maybe earlier in life why did you stop and why did you start again well i stopped because As a lot of projects are, when there are multiple people involved, eventually you decide, all right, we've been doing this thing together for X amount of years, and maybe it doesn't line up with our future goals for ourselves or our vision for our lives, or maybe there's creative differences, you know, there's all kinds of things. Um, And I've been in two main bands before that, um, and then took kind of a hiatus of making my so own you're, stuff. So you're telling me the reason that you stopped creating your own music was because it was like logistical and the time to do it with the people you were doing it with was over and so you stopped doing it? Yeah, I mean, when you're in a band for a long time um, and it breaks up, part of, I think, some people's thing is like, well, I'm going to now start my next project and start my next band. For me, I had learned a lot about producing and recording during being in that band and I was kind of turned off to the idea of being in a in a band in general. Okay. Um, Why? Just had some sour experiences near the end and I figured, you know, 
uh, I don't really want to be like a lead singer at this point in time. And I didn't really want to like have to try to rebuild kind of that, you know, momentum that we had built over the year. So I was like, if I pivot into producing, then I can kind of take what we did back then and kind of roll into something new that's exciting to me. Um, And I don't have, you know, an aversion to it because of the what way were, What the were the aversions it. that you had? Um, well, I think there's a certain element of trust that plays into being in a collaborative project. And there's a certain amount of energy that everyone needs to put into it. And I just didn't want to depend on anyone else to have to do that. And I think even so I took like a five, six year break from playing original music at all. Um, and then Lloyd and I started like kind of a side, a side project, which I put in quotes, even though I wasn't in a main project, we just kind of made a record for fun. And that was like a good way to get, um, kind of back into it. Okay. So when you started doing Nightwind stuff, uh, what, three years ago, maybe Mm -hmm. what was happening in your life and inside of you that made you wanted to start doing that? I think it was just about finding creative uh, juice again, and I needed like an outlet for it. Um, I think a lot of producers also can write, and I was starting to write songs, and I was like, maybe I'll pitch these to artists. Maybe I'll see if I can get these in TV, whatever it is. Um, But pitching to artists is tricky because it's something that a lot of people want to do right now. Um, and I was like, you know what, if I let these just sit on my hard drive, trying to get other people to cut their version of this, like they're never going to see the light of day or maybe they do in some kind of fluke way, but you know, you can't depend on that kind of thing happening. And I just think I'm making something interesting enough that people would like it if I put it out. So Uh, what I'm, what I'm hearing is it's interesting because a little bit of the reason that you didn't go into like directly into trying to do your own own music again, original music with other people is gosh, it's hard to find people that I can depend upon to create this stuff together. Mm-hmm. And then the reason you started your solo project was because you had all these songs on your hard drive and it was kind of like, it's hard to find other people to do this stuff with. There seems to be a common thread of independence. Right. And that's not, to say that like um working with other people isn't something i like doing because i've written a lot of nightwind songs with other people um but finding somebody who's going to put in the same energy that you're going to can be tough especially when i talk about like getting artists to cut your songs like you're having to get someone that's a third party interested in using a song that you wrote for their career as opposed to them just writing one or, you know, everybody's homies with somebody who can write a song for them. So it's kind of a hard um, thing to make inroads with at the beginning. Like think about uh, like, if you're a music artist, a lot of your money comes from the songs you write. So if someone else is going to write a song that you're going to put out, you're kind of giving up a slice of the pie. You're not even touching the pie. You're letting them have the the pie, I guess. So 
if if you wrote a song and I wrote a song that was just as good, you're going to put out the song you wrote. Sure. Because, you know, you're only putting out so many songs. So it can be it can be weird and it can be hairy. And especially if you're not like in that community, like most songwriters now have a manager. Hmm. So that person is in charge of like placing songs with people. And, you know, you're getting put in sessions all the time with different artists and different co-writers and trying to build like a library that this person can go out and get songs placed for you. And it's like a whole, it's not something you just do on the side, I guess you could say. And that was kind of what I was looking at doing at first was like, I could get some songs placed here and there. That would be nice. Um, But it's kind of something you have to go in two feet at a time. Two feet at a time. You can't really do, you can't really get songs placed with artists on the side. Sure. It's like, you know, no one's a lawyer on the side. Okay. Or, uh, you know, your doctor is not like, yeah, this is my, you know, side gig, but my main hustle is, you know, I work Painting. at GNC. Like you're just, you're doing one <laughs> or the other. <laughs> my main hustle is I work at GNC. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Keep the improv- improv- improvisation going, Adam. All right, Cole. Yeah. Um, if you could go back in time and change anything about your path, to where you oh, are today. Yeah. What would you change? I would have just owned everything way sooner. Okay. What do you mean by like, owned? I'm pretty, I'm pretty, the things that I'm doing now, I've been confident in most of my life, which is basically creating experiences. And because I felt like that was something that was innate to me, I think one of the biggest, uh, mistakes or misperceptions that I had was that because it was easy for me, I just assumed it was easy. I assumed it wasn't a valuable skill because it was just something that was so intuitive to me. I just figured it was intuitive for everybody and everybody could do it. And so I didn't necessarily treat it as valuable as it actually was. And then I think also because it 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 came intuitively to me, I also assumed that it was um, something that I didn't necessarily need to take all that seriously or own because I didn't understand the value of it. And it's really interesting because now I think, you know, talking about like there are terms that have emerged over the course of my life, like the experience economy or uh, immersive experiences, or even kind of how themed entertainment has made begun to make its way outside of theme parks and into everyday life. And I think for the last 15 to 20 years of my life, a lot of what I have done um, is related to some things that are really kind of emerging in culture over the last five years specifically. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. And so I think if I could have the last 20 years or even more than that to go back to, it would be understanding the value of those things, embracing them, cultivating them, and essentially selling them. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, is there anything that you wish you got better at outside of that? Like, I'll give you an example. I was watching a guitar teacher that makes videos and people were saying something about he used music theory as a crutch because he didn't have a good ear. Hmm. 
And he was like, yes, 100%. Like, I grew up with a lot of rhythm and a lot of um, percussive energy. And he's great with feel and tone. And But, you know, note recognition and pitch was always a weakness of his. Mm. And so he dove headfirst into something that he wasn't good at so that that could be something that he's actually, you know, at a good level at versus he kind of joked like there's another world where he just became a drummer sure because that percussive element yeah. is what he could have just done that instead yeah um do you feel like there's anything like that that you know maybe a weakness that you would have brought up or something that came intuitive to you but maybe because of that it led you a certain way or do you think it all kind of worked out the way that it should have uh, I think a lot of it from a from a talent standpoint has gone in, in the, a way that it should have. I think if there's one thing that I would have invested more time and energy into, it would have been, and this isn't necessarily actually investing more time or energy. It's repositioning how I perceive it and understand it, and it's this. Um, for a long time, I held very tightly to the things that were done and how they were done because I attached my own, and we talked about this last week, I think I attached my own value, my perception of my value to the success of those things. And so I had to control all of the micro and macro decisions, which made it very difficult for other people to work with me. And so I think if I had something to go back and change as far as like, would I not have done something better? It would have been stepping back, allowing myself to enjoy the process more because I'm just in it to make it. I'm in it to not make it like be famous, but like make it, make the thing to create art, to create experiences, to facilitate creativity, to facilitate connection. Those are the things that I love. But in a lot of ways, they were also directly attached to my greatest fears, which was I'm not worth anything. Or uh, if I make this, then maybe it'll prove to everybody that I'm not good at this or, you know, those those kinds of things. And so I wish that I could um, have related better to people by stepping back, recognizing it doesn't necessarily matter what the outcome is. And in fact, if I release great people to do great things, the outcome is going to be better than if I try to control it all the time. So I think that's what I would probably try to go back and change is just like to, to loosen up, to let go a little bit, to enjoy the process and to trust other people. Nice. Great answer. Thank you. And that's 15 minutes. Is it really? Yeah. Well, would you look at that? I, I am. I'm actually physically looking at it right now. 1503. In fact, great. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us. I hope that this was a valuable experience as we navigated uh, why we do what we do, what we would do differently, and some of the lessons that we've learned along the way. Tune in next week to hear an episode that might not be improvised. See ya.